Welcome to the Healthy ADHD Podcast. I am your host, Liz Lewis. The Healthy ADHD Podcast is your place to get the best information and hear from the best experts in the field of ADHD. My goal is to make your life better by taking all of this information, making it actionable, understandable, and hopefully inspiring you with a few laughs along the way. It does not suck. All right. I still think I need to change my intro. I just don't have the energy to do it right now. I'm going to record an off-the-cuff episode. In fact, I'm not even sitting at my desk, and I'm not using my normal uh, microphone. Not that I have a fancy one, but I'm not using that. I'm just feeling very low energy this week. But strangely, I have this this podcast sort of brewing inside of my head, and I I decided that I'm going to make it and I'm going to do it before I change my mind because I just keep waffling about it. And I find that some of my best content usually comes from, comes from me just stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit. So I'm going to talk a little bit about today about ADHD awareness as a, as a broad concept and how it's really changed in the age of social media. I started thinking about this because so, so, so many women are being diagnosed later in life. And it seems like a lot of the time when somebody is diagnosed, they don't actually get a lot of information. It's maybe the doctor or the psychologist just says this is the diagnosis. Usually it's not the only diagnosis. We usually have a bunch of comorbidities on top of it. But I get the sense, the distinct sense, that a lot of us are not getting a lot of information. And so we are turning to sources, sometimes questionable sources, looking for information about ADHD. And that's why I'm saying I want to talk about ADHD awareness, okay? All right, here we go. I have some notes. I will try to, I will try to flesh this out a little bit and make a written post, but you know sometimes that takes me months to do. So I'm going to dive right in. We live in a world where ADHD awareness, mental health awareness, all of it, it has really shifted. For example, when I first started researching and writing about women with ADHD, I believe it was 2016, so not that long ago, there were only a handful of websites that were like mine. My friend Jacqueline from the ADHD homestead was around back then, as was my friend Renee from Black Girl Lost Keys. Um, Those are the two that I can remember that, like me, were doing their research and producing high-quality written content. Now, back in 2016, obviously, there were were great books out there about women with ADHD. Um, At this point, I'm actually, I'm so proud to call them friends and colleagues. Terry Matlin had her books. And Sari Soldin had her books, and as you all know, I love the new book that Sari Soldin and Michelle Frank wrote last summer, put out last summer. So there was information available, um, but there were sort of, I'm going to say, a grouping of women, Linda Rogley among them as well, that were producing most of the content about women with ADHD. And there weren't as many podcasts back then. I don't know when podcasts started to get on the upswing, but I really like them. So these days, more and more women are getting diagnosed, and then they are getting their mental health information and their ADHD information, sometimes through things like social media. And this is happening more and more. Um, 
in some ways, I'm kind of happy about this because more awareness means more of us are actually being diagnosed. More of us are going to the doctor and asking for the testing. That is a good thing. I love it when I hear stories about women in their 70s, you know, going to their doctor and asserting themselves and asking to be tested. Um, And obviously, maybe not obviously, but I have noticed that millennials, I'm a Gen Xer, but millennials really have no problem talking about anxiety, depression, mental health, ADHD. They seem to be very comfortable with that. And they're very open about it. Sometimes to the point where I'm a little like, Ooh, wow. I wish I could be that way. People my age and older, um, you and I, we might've spent years hiding our symptoms and sometimes overcompensating for them. Um, sometimes just just ignoring them. I mean, I certainly did that for many years, even though I was diagnosed. I read somewhere that the internet is the great equalizer, right? Everyone has access. Everyone has access to information. And that's really awesome. It's really great that most of the the world right now has access to internet. But okay, there's my dog. But the thing about open accessibility and the internet age is that anybody can also put out anything and people are very vulnerable to getting bad information, right? I mean, we, we all know about this. They actually talk about some of the scams on the news in the evenings. I'm going to give just like a short history of, of what I see online in terms of ADHD awareness. If you actually look back, and I did this because... <laughs> because I was diagnosed in the 90s and there wasn't a lot of information back then. So when I returned to to it in 2015, I really needed to to sort of trace it here. So there are many books, right? There is a ton of great books. You can go to Amazon and type in ADHD or ADHD adults and there are lots of them. I have many of these books on my shelf and they do serve as a great resource for newly diagnosed adults. You know, Ned Hallowell's books, Russell Barkley, you know who I mean, all the, all the big ones. And I already said Sari and Terry. I actually have a list of experts. I should have said this, right? Ha! Huh. I have a list of experts that I really recommend. The reason I recommend these people, I will link to this. The reason I recommend this list of experts is because these people do the work, so to speak. They are not uh, messing around on social media every day. They are researchers and doctors and clinicians, and they actually care about disseminating good information. So I will link to that. There are also, and there always have been, sort of some governing organizations around ADHD. They were around when I was a kid too. Um, And these organizations disseminate really good information. And this is where a lot of the, you'll see research and you'll see um, some of the people that publish the books, the Barclays, Sari Sildon and Terry and um, Ned Hallowell, like you'll see these guys write articles for both CHAD, which is the large organization, and ADA, Attention Deficit Disorder Association, um, ADA, ADA sort of caters to adults a little bit more and I do some work for them. Well, I guess for both of them. And they raise public awareness every year through their conference. But you can find great information from all the best experts on their websites. Along with these governing bodies, I'm not sure what year he started it, but David Gork founded ADCA and really sort of started this movement toward ADHD coaching. 
what's interesting about ADHD coaching that is also interesting in general is that life coaching as an industry is pretty new. Um, I mean, even 10 years ago, if somebody said they were a life coach, whether it was a life coach, a general life coach, like a fitness life coach, I've, I've heard about weight loss coaching, ADHD. I mean, there's everything under the sun, money coaching, everything you can think of. 10 years ago, nobody would have known what you're even talking about. So, uh, David Gwork doing this ADHD coaching really sort of brought to the forefront, um, other ways of looking at ADHD as than just, you know, clinical going to the doctor, taking medications. He really, he really started this whole movement. I will also put a list of trained and certified coaches. I do think it's important if you are going to get a coach um, that you find a trained and certified one. Coaching is a really valuable resource, and it's part of a comprehensive treatment plan. Oh, okay. The other thing I wanted to note, so you can tell I'm going off of notes here, is that Attitude Magazine, I don't know what year it started, Attitude has been around for a while as well. And you can find pretty decent information from Attitude Magazine. When I first started researching, Attitude was a great way for me to find links to other experts. And it is free for the most part. I don't know if you can pay for a special subscription or not, but Attitude is another source of actual information. So this is what was available when I first started researching in 2016. There were some books, there were governing organizations, a couple websites like mine, Attitude Magazine, and really that was it. Um, it was before all the noise started, even you know with Facebook and everything. I'll, I'm just going to be honest, and maybe I'm biased here because I am a, a writer, but I prefer content creators when I'm getting my information about ADHD. I prefer writers, uh, people that make videos, podcasters, people that, that are doing a little bit of, of research, um, and maybe aren't just taking pictures of themselves. Sorry, I'm not trying to be mean, but there's a lot of that when it comes to social media. I, that's just a personal preference for me. And I do think that we've made this kind of odd shift in the last probably five years toward people getting what they should be getting medical information, but instead they're getting information from social media. And my preference is people that create content and do research. So let me shift now, since I just mentioned it to social media, the rise of social media has really, really, really changed how we get our ADHD information. It has in both good and bad ways. You probably use social media every day. I do too. So this is not me telling you not to use social media. For some people, I actually know a couple of people in their 20s who have told me that social media is where their friends are. Um, it's, the, it's how they express themselves and it's how they interact with other people. That kind of freaked me out when I first heard it because I thought, so you don't talk to other people at work or anything. But really, for some people, social media is, is their social life. But therein lies the problem. There are a lot of people on social media that are posing as experts or coaches or productivity specialists or whatever, organizational specialists. Some of these people have ADHD and some do not. But at least 50% of them don't know what the hell they're talking about. And I know because I've watched a lot of them. I do it on purpose. I watch 
the nonsense on social media. Sometimes it makes me mad, sometimes it makes me laugh, but either way, I watch it. And I just think it's important to point out that there is a difference between people that produce solid content and people that take pictures of themselves and call themselves coaches. Coaching is an unregulated industry. I actually have a podcast about coaching where I sat for like, well, over an hour with a certified trained ADHD coach. And we talked about the coaching industry, you know, how they are trained and the importance of finding a trained and certified coach. That will be coming out, I believe, at the end of March. So I'm just going to say this again. There are many people on probably, um, let me list all the platforms here. Twitter, Facebook, what what else? Instagram, probably even Snapchat, but I haven't looked that, at that in a long time. Um, there are lots of people calling themselves coaches. Anybody can call themselves a coach and hang a shingle on the internet. You have to wonder, if somebody doesn't, write anything, maybe make any videos, doesn't do any podcasts, doesn't appear to create any actual content. They take pictures of themselves and try to get you to give them money. You kind of got to wonder, first of all, what their credentials are, but also what are their motives here? Okay. And I don't think there's anything wrong with making a living for anybody. Everyone deserves to live comfortably. But I also think that when you're supposedly in a helping profession, you need to actually do your due diligence. Not everybody you see calling themselves a coach is actually going to help you. (laughs) They're not actually necessarily going to know what they're talking about. And in the age of the internet, you need to be discerning. And that's not our strong suit. A lot of us with ADHD are not very discerning. There is a lot of noise, a lot of hashtags, a lot of selfies, but strangely, not a lot of really useful information on social media. So what happens when you go and you get this diagnosis and your doctor gives you limited information, what do you do? You hit up Google or Facebook or maybe even Twitter. I don't know why you would, but you know, whatever. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't engage at all, but I think you need to think hard about where you're getting your information and who is giving it to you. And I know people are going to get PO'd that I said that because there's a lot of people, even people I follow on social media who are calling themselves coaches and such. And I'm just like, Oh, give me a break. All right, so I have talked before about Facebook and Facebook groups, so I'm going to use them as an example. I just want you to know I am still the admin of a fairly decent size, not a huge one, but a decent size ADHD women's group on Facebook. I stay there so that I can sort of see what's going on, see what kind of questions people actually ask. And this is what I will tell you. I act, I do believe that Facebook's intention when they started groups was a good one. I believe that bringing together people with a common interest in one place can be very powerful. I see this every day in my own community, but anyone can start a Facebook group. I could start a Facebook group tomorrow and say that I'm a dog trainer. No one's going to check and see that I know nothing about dogs at all, except my dog. There is no screening for intention or commitment 
So many group creators start a group. I've seen this with ADHD women's groups. People start arguing. Someone goes off, creates their own group. And within six months, they've either gotten bored with it or they were mad about the people in their group and they've abandoned it. That's how I ended up admin of this group. The person who started it, her life just moved on. She got bored with it. If you put 2,000 people, women, with ADHD into a Facebook group without any structure and without much oversight and not a lot, not a real clear direction, things are going to get spicy. <laughs> people are going to be reactive. People are going to fight. We're going to misunderstand each other's, you know, words. When you're typing things in, you can't, you can't measure tone. Let me give you a scenario. So you join a group and you're so excited they let you in because there's like 5,000 people and you were like, oh, they're not going to let me in. But they did. And you get a really immediate like hit because you feel accepted. They let you in in a sense of belonging. And you read through the posts and you're like, oh, these are my people. And you post and introduce yourself. And then maybe you answer a couple other people's posts. And maybe like, I, I would say the average is a few weeks. You're in there, you check in a few times a day. It starts to become a thing where your phone's going ding, 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 which is sort of bothering you at work, but you can't help yourself because you like that hit. So you keep going in. And then one day you post something in response, maybe to someone else, and it is misinterpreted immediately. And a whole string appears underneath people arguing with you, people arguing with each other. And at some point, the admin comes in and just deletes it. That's kind of the stuff I do. And you don't know how you feel about it. You don't know if you feel guilty or angry, but you're kind of hesitant to keep posting. Maybe you'll try again. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll just go look for another group. (laughs) So you go and you switch groups and the whole cycle starts again. I've done this. I've done this probably with eight or 10 different groups. This plays out on Instagram too. If you create an account on Instagram and search the ADHD hashtag, You can follow a whole bunch of people. And what you'll notice is that not many of them are actually giving you solid content. They're just trying to sell you whatever their widget is. Like it could be a book. It could be coaching, especially especially on Instagram. I noticed there's a lot of unqualified coaches. But anyway, whatever it is, you start to notice that they're always trying to sell you things. Or they say something that you just find totally offensive. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're mad at Instagram. This is, this is how I'm, I'm just giving you examples of how this plays out. So with respect, we need community. We do. We all need a sense of, you know, unity, a tribe, but we are all missing the point when we do this. Facebook groups, getting mad at each other. We're just missing the point and there are no winners. We all lose this way. Social media really blurs the line between real ADHD information and support and sort of mind-numbing entertainment. And our brains cannot tell the difference. It's not just ADHD brains, human brains. They cannot tell the difference between real information and support and entertainment. We just can't. (sighs) I need to take a breath. Okay, if you're still with me, the only thing I could think of that is a real solution to this is trying to find real human connection, building communities where we actually see each other, not just on our phones and we exchange high quality information. It's not necessarily a pay by the hour sort of deal, but 
it is a real community with real support and oversight. So when someone has a real question, they can get a real answer. No scrambling around and people getting in arguments with each other. An actual healing space between people. We want connection. We want to be in the company of other women with ADHD, I'm presuming. We want to have memorable experiences. And a lot of us are are information hungry. We want to learn new things. We want to feel fulfilled and satisfied. And that's hard with ADHD. We want to have 24-7 access to sort of a soft place to land. So when you're having a really shit day, you need a safe place to go and vent, right? We really, at the bottom of everything, we want to feel understood by our fellow humans. So like I said, the only thing that really pops into my mind as a solution to this is to really look at, look at the definition of community and ADHD awareness. We can do better than what's out there. I know we can. So if you can imagine, well, I have a group that isn't a Facebook group, but you go in and you can still post in the middle. It looks like sort of like a Facebook group, but there's no advertising. Like nobody's selling you anything, no $300, $500 a month coaching. If you want to refer to a trained coach, I mean, I can give you one of those too. Um, all the ebooks, instead of having to download someone's free ebook and give them your email address so they can keep selling you things via email, you know, maybe all the ebooks could just be uploaded. Maybe there could be a library of information about ADHD curated, not too overwhelming and updated, and that would be available. You know, a posting feed in the middle is awesome, as long as it's monitored, as long as, you know, there's some kind of oversight to make sure there's not too much misinformation or maybe bad behavior. Because like I said, whenever you put a bunch of people in one spot, you know, stuff can get a little spicy. Daily check-ins, sort of like you do with Facebook. I read the funniest article about Dr. Pepper. And it made me think of Facebook because Dr. Pepper back in the day used to tell people to check in, what was it, 10, 2, and 4, because they figured everybody gets hungry or their blood sugar gets low a few times a day. And so Dr. Pepper marketed it like everybody should have Dr. Pepper at 10, 2, and 4. And it made me laugh because that's what people do with Facebook. They check in several times a day or they hear that ding, ding, ding on their phone and they go check in. Anyway, I think you could still do all of these things without it becoming a zoo. (laughs) You could check in once a day and connect with other people. You know what I'm saying? You might even get to meet other people. In my group, you get to meet other people live for body doubling sessions if you want. Or if you want sort of a more intimate, deeper conversation, you know, you meet in the evening group. But my point is, it's... We can, we can take the best parts of what's out there, <laughs> the connection, the social aspect, the support, and we can make it into something that has a little bit higher quality information and some oversight. The world has really changed and we have a really strange sense of ADHD awareness and where we get our information and what community looks like and how we treat each other. But this is a change in the way we look at how we can connect with each other and how we can form community and how we can make information 
and support available and accessible to more people, more women with ADHD who really need it. If you are newly diagnosed, I want you to get good information. I do, and I want you to find the right kind of support. Yeah, you can join my group. Of course I want you to join my group. But I also just want you to think harder about where you're getting your info and where you're looking for support and how you define support and what kind of investment you're willing to make in moving your life forward. Just because you don't have a lot of money to invest doesn't mean you can't get proper support for your ADHD. It really doesn't. And I know it feels that way sometimes. Like the people with money get coaches. And if you don't have any money, you're stuck in these Facebook groups and sort of scrambling around social media. And then if we feel like we don't have any options, we may be getting information from unreliable sources because we don't know where else to go. And I'm, I just want everyone to know there are places you can go for affordable support and information. With that said, let the hate mail come, right? Uh, go ahead and send me hate mail. I, I, you know, I don't care. And again, I'm not telling you to stay away from social media. I'm not. I'm just telling you to know the difference between, <laughs> between real information and social media. Real support and, I don't know, someone pretending to know what they're talking about. Try to be discerning. You are a smart girl with ADHD. I know you are because you're listening to this podcast. I also invite you to come and check out the Enclave. Um, if you are a woman who is just totally overwhelmed with the whole ADHD thing, with life, um, our community is a powerful tool. We provide consistency, clarity, connection, and a way to bring you back to yourself. And this is not group coaching. I just want to be clear. I know everybody's trying to sell you group coaching. I'm not. I'm just actually trying to sell you a real community. Ooh, next week, I am having Erin Snyder on the podcast. She and I are going to talk a little bit about parenting. She has some really great ideas. I think you're going to like that. Stick around. Like I always say, we are stronger together. <laughs>